the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Streaming now on the KDOW app and Radio.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful, informative, irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black in Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in, we'll chat, and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing in more. Another day, another dollar. This has been quite a year. No. But every year we could kind of say something along those lines, whether it be an Uber up year, a bad down year, or whether it be an act of terrorism, an aggressive act from one nation, other oil at $150 a barrel, oil at $10 a barrel. We've seen both of those. Like, we've seen this all. Consumer spending is coming back with a vengeance in May. Positive. Stocks opened big by in the first half hour. <clears throat> they've already pulled back. I'm not going to say Trey Grande, but they've pulled back from their openings. We have a lot to talk about. Um, <clears throat> first and foremost, I think one of them is you know, valuations on the market, but we'll get to that one. Um, I promise you on that. Um, Three in four Americans say their finances haven't improved under Trump. Now, historically, coming into any election season, I can get on radio and say that Americans tend to vote with their wallet. If they're employed and they feel good, like they're going on vacations and buying vehicles, they tend to say, "Eh, I don't need to vote or I'll just vote for the same guy who's in power. It's not quite that clear. It's not quite that cut. But... Three and four Americans say their finances have not improved. I wonder where you would fall on that one. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. <clears throat> you know, Moving on to the bigger picture, so to speak, Oracle said some customers postponed purchases during the quarter. Um, they came out with earnings last night. So that's a little bit of a negative. If you want to say, when do we get back to pre-COVID-19? Not there yet. But again, we're not expecting to be there yet. Norwegian Cruise Line said it's suspending cruise voyages now through September 30th. Uh-oh. 
there goes the summer cruising season, right? And that's okay. Um, I'm not a cruise guy, nor am I the type of investor who says, oh, these guys are down massively. I'm going to pick them up. I'd rather get what I want to own. I don't want to own a cruise line. Knock, knock, knock. Apple opens the door. Don't open the door, Apple. Don't open the door. Knock, knock, knock. Who is it? It's the European Commission. Don't open the door. Don't open the door. Well, the door's been opened. European Commission is talking about widening in its probe of Apple's business practices. It is not odd to say this out loud that companies like Tender, I know you're saying Tender, aren't they the swipe right? Aren't they the everyone hooks up on the first date to find if they want to be in a long-term relationship? Eh, they're kind of something like that. So Tender and um, Fortnite, Epic's Fortnite, have said, we don't really like Apple because their store, we like them, but they charge too much for what we do, the microtransactions. Um, the apps are free that we we give away on their phones, but we want to make more of the money that people transact on their phone. We don't want to give away 10, 15, 20, or 30% of it to Apple. So <clears throat> it's a good position to be in. It's a bad position to be in. In the United States, if you were to call me a monopolist, I would probably be like I'd be like the guy in Monopoly with the the wax beard and the hat and the the, the umbrella cane. Yeah, that's not good, right? But in Wall Street, if you can call a company a monopoly, it's typically considered pretty good. It means you're making most of the profits in that area. Now, again, socially horrible. Capitalist, awesome, awesome. Finish it. I know you're awesome. saying, what's wrong with you today? Awesome. Um, I haven't heard that in a while, and I felt it in my body, and I wanted to hear it again. Awesome. So the Federal Reserve has effectively brainwashed the market into believing that the Fed won't let bad things happen relative to asset prices, whether it be buying corporate bonds or U.S. Treasury bonds, whether it be inflating the economy with plenty of cash. The Fed's out there, and they're our friends. And you'll hear people like Jim Cramer, if you turn on CNBC, scream, Oh, don't fight the Fed. Oh, he gets all worked up about it. Don't get all worked up about it, please. But don't fight the Fed. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. One of the better things I saw yesterday, you know, we're all doing go-to meetings and we're all doing Zoom calls. There's now a company that lets you rent a goat so you can go to a goat-to meeting. Um, I know you're saying, yeah, sometimes those Zoom calls where you're trying to look at 12 different people or 20 different people, gets to see a goat in the panel would be kind of awesome. PG&E has pleaded guilty to 84 counts of manslaughter in a campfire case. Okay, so the California's utility transmission line started the problems in 2018. A lot of houses burned down. People were caught in fires. People were caught in their homes. 84 counts of manslaughter. That's just weird to me to say. One of the things I say on the air is that Wall Street reflects um, a corporation is like a U.S. citizen. The IRS looks at it that way. So if I go out and kill 84 people, I go to jail for a long time. I never get out. PG&E, if, if they admit to killing 84 people, they pay a fine. They pay the legal costs. They pay the um, insurance companies. They, they lose in a lot of ways, but they don't go to jail. Kind of interesting, right? 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. There was a little bit of positive news yesterday. There's a generic drug 
called dexamethasone, which helped reduce the death risk amongst patients with severe COVID-19 cases. That's positive, no doubt. It's not a cure. It's not a vaccine. But when your great uncle is on life support with a ventilator, if you could slip him a pill that tends to work or has a one in three chance of working, that's better than how we say, how we say sitting on a ventilator and waiting for a cure. Yesterday, we saw the 17.7% month-to-month rebound in retail sales. We saw Jerome Powell say, Meh, we're going to do until the, uh, until the general public is confident the disease is contained, a full recovery is not likely. So therefore, we're going to keep helping as much as we can. Other economic data today, housing starts and building permits rose less than expected in May. That's signaling a slower-than-anticipated pickup in new home building after April's lows. Building permits are the one that I really pay attention to because that's when a contractor comes into your house and he gets all manly. He starts talking about all the manly things he's going to do and your spouse is like, yes, let's let's do this because it wouldn't be bad to improve our kitchen. And, well, you know, he looks good too. So he goes away and he goes to City Hall and he files some permits. You know, hey, we're going to need a new beam and hey, we're going to need to fill concrete here and someone's going to have to come check the concrete. And six months later, he comes back and he starts uh, swinging a hammer. So that's out there. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about today. Money, investing, and more. Have you seen any goats in your goat to meeting calls or your Zoom calls? Have you seen any farm animals? Um, Stocks were rising for a fourth straight day. And remember how I told you Apple's getting investigated? This morning, that investigation news, I'm not sure what, why, who, when, or where, but Apple opened at an all-time high. For the record, I own shares of Apple. Consumer broker advisors are taking action on any stocks you ever hear on this show. Little L. King. Her original music seems to have dried up because now she's doing covers, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, Go feed. Go water your original music. You can find me online at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. I'm Rob Black. Financial sense of your portfolio. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Thanks for listening to the show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing. So taking a look at the year, and I feel like I'm being a little bit repetitive, so I'll start working a little bit harder to find some new content for you. Taking a look at the year, March awful. Uh, Shut down our economy, basically shut down the stock market at the same time. April, we're still kind of holding up, but we're starting to hear government stimulus this, government stimulus that. Now we're starting to hear more spending here, more spending there. So as we're getting on into the month of June and moving towards the summer, we're seeing things really open up. Um, but again, there's two sides, right? 
friend of mine sent an email and he was like, Hey, just traveled last weekend and uh, didn't wash my hands once. Nah, 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 nah. And he's kind of all proud of it. And I'm like, I wouldn't be all proud of that. And I wouldn't really be putting that in an email because it's offensive to the people who are sheltering and who are worried. <clears throat> but again, we live in a very sensitive world where you're not allowed to um, offend anyone. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in there. And I'm not smiling when I say that other than, than I am smiling when I say that. So, <coughs> excuse me. Record spike in new coronavirus cases in reported so far in six states as reopening is accelerating. The reopening is going to help the stock market. The reopening is going to help the economy. The reopening is going to stop future failures in mortgages. But the reopening is going to cause healthcare costs to go up and beds to be utilized and people to die. Um, I don't have the political savvy to really tell you what my opinion should be for you. I, I don't think there's a right answer. It's a compromise, right? Homebuyer mortgage demand spikes to 11-year high as rates hit another record low. It's really, really uh, unfortunate that I'm not 25 years old and have money sitting around so that I can borrow a lot of money. Um, but I feel that my mortgages are all pretty darn good. I could take a look at one or two of them to see if I would benefit from refinancing. But as I'm getting older, I don't necessarily want to refi just to refi like I used to. Saving an extra $200 a month doesn't mean as much to me as going through that paperwork and um, <laughs> trying to figure out, like, hey, do I want to work till I'm 80? Mortgage applications to purchase a home rose 4% last week. <clears throat> they were a remarkable 21% higher than a year ago. Mortgage applications up 21% year over year. Why? Because it's the ninth consecutive week of gains and the highest volume in more than 11 years. Why? Because the average contract for a 30-year fixed mortgage rate decreased from 3.38% down to 3.3%. If you have great um, credit, depending on the size of your loan, you might be able to get that at 3%. I've now seen 30-year mortgages go out at under 3%. The reason I said I wish I could be you know, 25 years old with a bundle of money is because I think mortgages are a bundle of money. And I think you hold them for 20 or 30 years. That's why I want it to be 25. And if you are in the market for a house and you have the security of a job, now is not a bad time to look because of the mortgage. There's two things that affect the price of a home or the two things that affect the price of your monthly payment. The price of the home and the cost of the mortgage, the interest rate on the mortgage, how much interest do you have to send to the bank? Just giving them free money, right? Not free money. Well, they lend you money, so you're paying them back. But you're also paying them on interest because otherwise they want to do the deal. So to me, the um, mortgage is the more interesting part of the equation. And the reason being is that real estate works over time. Short term, it, it's way too pricey. I bought my last major home. Well, no, no. I bought my, one of my last homes when the markets were pretty saturated, pretty high, moving higher. The one before that I bought during a housing recession after two years, and I feel like I got 20% off over time. Not in the immediate, because you don't sell it immediately. You put a lot of money into it. You fix it up. You um, say, oh, I want a new driveway. I want a new patio. I want a new roof. But over time, I feel I got an amazing deal. And because we were in a real estate recession, the 10-year treasury had collapsed. 
it went lower, not as low as it is now, but it, it created an opportunity where I was like, okay, I don't feel great that real estate prices are going down 2007, 2008, but I'm going to jump in because the mortgage rates were so near record lows. So a house I bought before that was during a massive housing recession back in the late 90s. Um, so we, sometimes you get price. Sometimes you get better terms on your mortgage. I'd rather worry about better terms on the mortgage than paying 10 to 20% too much. If I'm going to hold it for 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 years. But again, that's not science and it's not something I would recommend to you, to you and you and you. Um, on Jemima brand, um, I think we could all say about time. The Aunt Jemima brand of syrup and pancake mix is going to get a new name. I would make a joke here. I'm not going to. Ten years ago, it kind of would have been cute to throw out something racist or something, you know, snide or something remarky. Now, the Aunt Jemima brand of syrup um, needs a new image and needs a new name. The pictures changed over time. I don't know if you remember Quaker Oats or Quaker used to own them, which is almost kind of funny in the sense of humor, in the sense of Aunt Jemima being a black woman and a Quaker usually were white pilgrims, but I'm not going to even get into that. Uh, but Aunt Jemima was, used to be, she had her mammy kerchief on. And there was criticism, and they're like, okay, we'll take the kerchiefs off and we'll just put a beautiful black woman on the cover of pancake syrup. But we're still going to call it Aunt Jemima. Aunt Jemima's not, a, I don't know if it's a word that we associate with slaves or slavery. Kind of, maybe. But Twitter took this one down. George Floyd took this one down. Uh, the social justice movement took this one down. Um, it goes into the question on brands. Now, PepsiCo bought Quaker and Quaker owned Aunt Jemima. So PepsiCo made the decision, we're going to rebrand this. Now, I'm just talking finance right now. I'm just talking money and investing, so don't get mad at me. Brands are worth a lot of money. And as an investor, I want you to stop listening to the Aunt Jemima story and start thinking about brands. You remember Nike when you grew up. You remember um, Kleenex. Kleenex is a type of tissue. It's, it's a brand. You remember Energizer batteries versus AA batteries. You remember brands, and you're loyal to them. So many, 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 many years ago, Pepsi probably overpaid now in hindsight. We want a, a black slave on our pancake mix. And now they're like, mm, that's the best idea. So maybe they paid a billion dollars for that brand. Now that brand's worth $500 million. I don't know. There's another pancake brand that's moved up. But investing in brands like an Apple iPhone is different than a phone. An Intel inside is different than a CPU inside. Brands aren't, aren't bad ways to, you know, to build a business. Brands aren't a bad way to look for investments. Oh, but about time to see Aunt Jemima retire and get off the pancake mix. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Thank you.
comments and questions are always welcome. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Um, interesting times. I know everyone's probably getting a little bit old of me saying that, and I, I get it. Um, but with that being said, let's bring in Patrick O'Hare, briefing.com. One of my favorite, if not my favorite website to hit each and every day. Um, briefing.com is a great source of international and domestic news. It's tied towards Wall Street. You can kind of do a little bit cheat sheet. I'm not a big fan of CNBC, so I started at briefing.com. Um, Patrick O'Hare, I start reading your page one each and every day. Um, and I'll tell you, this is a fun year. I don't know if it's fun for you <laughs> for various different reasons, but the stories are not stopping. What are you, what are you seeing in the markets these days, sir? Sure. Well, good morning, Rob. Um, morning. thank you for, uh, for the compliment. So I, sure. you know, um, you're seeing a, uh, I guess cognitive dissonance, however, you know, state of fundamental disbelief, however you want to look at it, I think, or term it. Uh, you've got a market that I think is riding on really the Fed put, you know, in large part uh, as a bridge to what it expects to be a better future as it relates to both economic and earnings growth. And um, so that's why, you know, you see, I think yesterday was a perfect example with the retail sales report uh, and the positive reaction to it, right? So you have retail sales that were up, but, you know, Obviously, a very solid 17.7% was a record increase, uh, monthly increase in that series, right? So that's great. Um, but the full story is that retail sales are down 6.1% year over year. Yeah. So the market's not concentrating on, on that component. The market's concentrating on the sequential improvement because that's what helps validate the view that we're headed toward better things incrementally and that the support being provided by the, the Fed uh, is helping us get to that point. So um, so that's where we are. You know, the market really has really suspended any uh, uh, connection to, to true fundamentals because obviously the market is not trading on a, a traditional P.E. valuation measure. It's just it's trading on a lot of hope and expectation that um, – earnings will ultimately come back and will validate the fully priced valuation you're seeing today. Okay. Um, we are moving into political season and um, every day seems to be a, a bit of a exercise in your political tolerance. If you like one side or the other, the headlines are very dramatic and both sides are trying to gauge to win. Do you think the election season is going to have a big movement on Wall Street. Is that what we're looking forward to next as the recovery takes form? What's our next focus, do you think? Well, I, I do think so, Rob. In fact, uh, I recently updated um, um, our market view and my big picture column last Friday kind of revolved around uh, you know uh, what our latest market view is. And a strong component of that was tied into the political um, picture. And, you know, um, while the market, like we just discussed, might be trading on earnings growth that expects to materialize, say, 12 to 18 months from now, the fact of the matter is that you've got an election that's less than five months away now that could have a real impact on what those, you know, earnings end up ultimately being, right? If you have a change in administration um, and maybe even a change uh, in, in Congress so that you know, it's majority controlled to say for 
sake of argument by Democrats in both chambers with a Democratic president, the potential is there that you see a change in tax policy uh, and that you see higher corporate taxes. <clears throat> and that would obviously impact the level of earnings growth that you, you know, might potentially see in which the stock market itself is really not accounting for it <clears throat> at this juncture. But you know, as we get closer to this election, you know, the bipartisan spirit that we saw in the early part of the COVID-19 shutdown is going to continue to disintegrate. Um, both sides might want to create some uh, some type of stimulus measure so that, that can be sold to, you know, uh, their constituent base. But at the end of the day, you're probably not going to get everything that you need because no one wants to give too much. <laughs> So uh, so that one administration or the other might might get too much credit ahead of the election. So it's going to be messy business. Uh, and uh, and that's unfortunate. Um, but I do see politics really starting to, you know, come into the fray here as maybe a, a headwind for the market that slows down, you know, its progress that we've seen of late and potentially, you know, invites a pullback if, um, you know, if the stock market starts seeing the potential for a real change. Okay, now I'm not an economist, but <laughs> we're obviously looking at the economy. How, and you're not an economist, but you probably have some favorite economists. Briefing has some economists, and like there's some resources and tools out there. How comfortable are you with all of this at this point, as far as the economy recovering and the stock market recovering? And um, what are you feeling? What are you seeing? Well, you know, we've we've said from the beginning that we're not anticipating there being a, a V-shaped economic recovery. You know, we think the damage has just run too deep real uh, here uh, for that to, to occur. Um, you know, you had, what, over close to 45 million people file for unemployment benefits over the last 10 weeks. Um, we have, uh, you know, continuing claims running about half that level or so um, as of right now. And, uh, you know, and you have businesses that are reopening and obviously we saw in the May employment report that they're, you know, bringing employees back to help manage that reopening effort. Probably also, you know, bringing them back to help abide by the provisions of the Paycheck, Paycheck Protection Program um, so that they can have those loans forgiven. Um, but I think we're going to have a, a lot of like really uh, laborious um recovery process for the labor market. Uh, Fed Chair Powell kind of hinted at that even yesterday, uh, you know, suggesting that it, it's going to be a long, drawn-out battle and that there's going to be a lot of people that are, you know, uh, facing long-term unemployment because of the um, the speed at which the economy recovers from this COVID-19 shutdown, which isn't likely to be as fast as what, you know, a lot of pundits are suggesting the stock market is discounting at this juncture. So, um, so that, you know, that's, I think we're, you know, we're in this period right now, obviously, where things are, uh, you would hope that every economic reading you're getting is much better than the month before, right? It's engendering confidence that you're seeing the worst of the crisis, and that's great. But, you know, if you look at it, you know, for context, just say if you have something that's at 100 and it drops to 50, that's a 50% decline. If you write, if you come from 50 to 70, that's a huge 40% gain, right? That's wonderful but you're still down 30% from where you started, right? And I think that that's ultimately going to start to enter the picture too as we move maybe closer to 2021 um, where we're, you know, in our view, not likely to get the uh, the economic uh, recovery speed that, you know, is being priced in at this point in time. But there's been no disproof of that yet, right? And that's an important 
factor here that keeps the stock market underpinned. But once you start seeing recurring signs of disproof, then I think that the recovery rally that looks like a V-shaped recovery rally so far in the stock market uh, might then, you know, run out of some out of steam. I got to ask you while I have you, sir, um, probably the biggest question, not the biggest question, but uh, I know some economists who are kind of nasty and some people who uh, like look at that kind of stuff. But inflation and the, the value of the dollar, um, the weakening of the dollar, the long term effect of all the stimulus. Some people have some concerns and they, they're pretty um, adamant about one side or the other. What's your feeling on all the stimulus and the dollar? It's, I think we said a couple of weeks ago, so far we haven't really seen the inflation, so why not keep doing it? I'm putting words in your mouth, but the, the concept is bugging a lot of people right now. Well, it is, because I think, you know, just in terms of just sort of textbook type of thinking, you would think that you would, you would see the devaluation of the dollar um, in a big way. Um, but then again, you know, the Federal Reserve is not alone in, in the central banking universe in terms of doing extraordinary things as it relates to monetary policy. You know, Bank of Japan obviously is there. European Central Bank is there. Um, you know, and and uh, the Bank of England is there. So it, it's it's kind of a you know it's all relative in a way. But uh, but you know the U.S. is certainly opening the spigot as it relates to. Um, policy relief on both the fiscal and the monetary side. And and it is something, you know, we have to be concerned about here in a big picture standpoint as we, you know, look at things from a longer term vantage point. You know, when you're in the depths of the crisis, uh, okay. that doesn't seem to matter as much, right? It's when you get to the other end of it and when you think of stabilized, you sit there and you look at it, wow, there's a big, big bill that's due, you know, how do we pay for this? And uh, is our level of competitiveness in the United States versus other economies, has it been diminished? You know, does capital leave the United States then at that point, which can be a destabilizing factor for the dollar and help invite higher rates of inflation? Or does it stay here because there's continued confidence that the United States is the best place in the world to invest? Uh, it's an unanswered question right now, but something that's going to come into play, you know, many months down the road, but should not uh, overlook that possibility. Okay. Thanks very much. It's Patrick O'Hare with briefing.com. We have under a minute, so I want to plug you properly and well. Thanks for joining us. It's Patrick O'Hare with briefing.com. You can find him online at briefing.com. And like I said, I start my day every day. It's a resource. It is a paid resource, and I have no problem endorsing it because I personally have used it for over 20 years. And um, I think it's top notch. So, and in the world of investing, you look for information sources that you can glom onto and that you can ultimately trust. You can find me online at newfocusfinancial.com. You can find Patrick O'Hare and the people at Briefing. I've had them on my air for over 20 years. They're a great addition, great compliment. I think they put things in great terms for you. You can find them at briefing.com. You can find me at newfocusfinancial.com. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Of your mercy, in the reverence of your bed, in the cradle of the morning, what was it that you said? What's going on? Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Any other way.
things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Generally speaking, I try to get you to retirement. I've lost a little bit of the lessons approach and been dealing with the overall stock market on a day-by-day basis. That's not great, but we'll go with it at this point in time. Um, I will get into $1 million equals $40,000 a year of income when it's appropriate. What does retirement look like for you? Is it 40000 or is it 100000 a year at income? Social Security is not going to be enough. So we'll talk about this. I promise you that. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. The SEC told bankrupt Hertz it has issues with its plans to sell stock. This is something I said probably three days ago, three business days. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. It's problematic. Hertz says, we don't have the assets to continue. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to knock on the door and see if, if the stock market will give us you know, a million shares at three bucks. We'll pull in $3 million and we'll continue to operate until we can figure out a way out of the solution. The problem is you already told us you, you, don't have, you can't make it. You have too much debt and you have too many liabilities and you don't have enough car rentals and that's not coming back fast. The car rental industry was already being damaged by Lyft and Uber. Um, so I like the SEC telling Hertz, we have issues with what you're doing here. Because essentially, anyone who gives them money for shares, there's a chance that you know suddenly everyone goes and rents a car tomorrow. But it's not good. So I'd rather companies die or go through bankrupt. Bankruptcy is a legal issue that you're allowed to get into to wipe out debt that you got in over your head. It's something that I hate, that it's used too often, but it's something that I love is there for the people and the companies that need it. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. The Dow is lower, snapping a three-day winning streak. Now, if you go back and listen to the Patrick O'Hare interview that we just did, this is uh, there's a lot of disconnects between the economy and the stock market, between COVID and the stock market, between the U.S. government spending and the stock market. But we're doing enough things right that we feel very, very comfortable. Saw something kind of interesting hit the wires last night. Huawei, a Chinese telecom company. Think of them as the Nortel, if you remember Nortel of China. Northern Telecom was a Canadian telecommunications company that we had no problem with in the United States. China, we have a little bit of a problem. You're going to sell us hardware that we may or may not think that you're putting chips in to spy on us, and we're going to say, ooh, let's rush out and get 5G, and Huawei is going to be the backbone of 5G. We had a problem with that as a nation. Whether right or wrong, we did. Um, but we kind of throttled back on that yesterday. So I expect the White House to become much more friendly with China as we move into the final leg of the political season. Stocks fall today after Texas reports a spike in COVID-19 hospitalizations. Again, um, I hate saying this, but there's some things that are teeter-totters. You know, do we have more people die and get sick? COVID's real. We know that. We all know someone, whether it's directly or through a friend, that has you know, passed away from COVID or we're at 125,000, 130,000 deaths in the United States. It's a big number. So Texas virus hospitalizations jumped 11% in 24 hours. 
It's the largest one-day jump since the beginning of the month. The densely populated state has had a resurgence in economic activity. Um, other states like Florida are struggling with similar trends. Arizona as well. Interesting to note that they're all considered Republican states. I think I think maybe Florida has some, some Democrat kind of play in it. But typically Arizona and um, Texas belong to the Republicans. And the Republican platform right now seems to be open up the economy. Don't let COVID kill the economy because that's going to affect 100% of our population. Versus COVID that may take down 3% or something like that. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. But that seems to be the story right now. Um, 800-516-1220. There's some just, I'm going to tell you this. And again, it's just, it's, it, it makes me scratch my head. Apple's in the news today because the European Union is saying, hey, we're going to investigate a little further. We're going to broaden our scope on a monopoly issues. That should be bad news, right? That stock's moving higher. I own shares of Apple. I'm not plugging it. I'm not endorsing it. Um, a couple weeks back, I sold some options to let go of some. Not all of it, very small amount, but you get the idea. Um, it's had a great run. I don't understand how a stock like that could be up on bad news of an investigation, but it can. And you know what you need to do is chill the freak out. Um, I got an email from a long-term investor probably two weeks ago, and he was angry at the stock market for hitting all-time highs amidst COVID. I'm like, dude, you need to chill the freak out. Like, Just let it happen. The market may be a little bit smarter than us, or maybe the market's saying, oh, we think Trump's going to win because he's going to be more market-friendly. Or maybe the market's saying, we think stimulus is going to be too much. But the market's telling us something by being up this high for this long. Now, again, you build cases. You go back to the March, late March lows in the market, and you go, okay, that's probably the height of fear. That's probably as low as we're going to go. I don't mind looking at charts. They tell me stuff. When five years after 9-11, I looked at a, a 10-year chart of a company. I saw how it did on 9-11. I'm like, that's probably as low as it goes, unless their CEO gets on a clock tower and starts shooting people. Unless their product causes cancer and you die within a day. You can kind of see where things are going to go in the worst case scenario. Now, the best case scenario, I'm going to typically be fully invested until I cruise into retirement. Maybe five years before, maybe five years after. But you get the idea. Sometimes you just got to say, okay, I'm not smarter than the market. I'm smarter than a fifth grader, but I'm not smarter than the market. You can find me online at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.